Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today's topic, covering the most magical place on Earth, even in a pandemic. Joining us today is Sharon Wynn, who covers things to do here at the Tampa Bay Times. What falls under that umbrella includes entertainment and events, overseeing calendars, and covering theme parks. Florida has, Sharon tells us, eight of the top 10 theme parks in North America and five of the most attended in the world. As you may have read, Disney World reopened recently, even as cases were spiking in Florida. So now we've had bars and restaurants open and then some closed. Baseball is back without fans. The beaches are open with social distancing. Having Disney back in business, though, is really like nothing else. Do we cheer? Do we cringe? What is our responsibility to tell readers? Thanks for joining us, Sharon. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Normally, this is a fun beat, right? Covering theme parks? (laughs) It is. I mean... (laughs) I kind of liken myself to a sports reporter. I always say, like, sports reporters don't root for the team to lose, but you got criticism of, like, the coach or maybe some players. And I am the same way. I love theme parks. So I I find them very fun, but I definitely also feel like, you know, there's times that they're charging too much or they're pushing things too hard. So I, I feel like I have a responsibility as a consumer beat, but I do. I Ever since I was I was five years old when Disney World opened, and we were that family that went every summer and use our e-tickets. And it was, uh, you know, I have fond memories of it. So, And this was going to be a big year, right? It was. That's one of the big trends has been that they don't just open a new ride. They open a whole land or they open something really extra thing. Bush Gardens was getting ready to open a killer roller coaster that was going to set world records for how steep of a drop it was. And it was like, it's called Iron Gwazi. It looks crazy. And, of course, uh, Disney World had just opened its new Star Wars land, which they had given really high hopes to, to having a big boost in attendance, which it really didn't happen, actually. And every single theme park had a new big attraction coming up. And several of them, they're actually putting in mothballs. I think they're almost going to wait until maybe next summer when we have a normal vacation season, rather than opening them up now when there's hardly anybody there. So... It's interesting because they, they, there's like an arms race, how much money they spent. We're talking like $100 million a piece on what they spend on these big lands of stuff to entertain us. And that all came to a screeching halt mid-March. How did you first get word that it was closing? Because I know Disney Shanghai closed a long time before Disney Florida. How, did you see this coming and how did you cover that? I kind of did. It was funny because I was actually in Disney World the first week of March They were having a big media preview of this new ride they called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Train. It's a really cool ride in Hollywood Studios where it's like you're you're riding through a cartoon. It's like it's like this uh, Mickey and Minnie Mouse kind of cartoon where you're like, you know, going down over cliffs and that kind of stuff. So it's like you're riding through a cartoon. It's a really cute ride. 
so it's family friendly. And it just had opened that week. But that's when the news was first coming out. So while there for the media preview, I also did a side trip over to Epcot and talked to some families who were there. And I said, this mom answered yes immediately. Like, yeah, I we had planned this trip for months, but we decided not to cancel. But yet we've got hand sanitizer on hand and we're doing, like, they were doing all this stuff to kind of go ahead and do their vacation. But it was already in the air. And at the time, I was I was asking my handlers there, the, the Disney people, of like, they didn't want to talk about it, and they really weren't even at that time. This is the first week of March. They really didn't have like a lots of hand sanitizer out yet. They weren't really doing as much I kind of expected at, at first. So I covered that, and the next week they did kind of up things a little bit, and then they closed for business March sixteenth. So I, like a week later, then they finally everything kind of settled in. You kind of knew it was coming at that like at that point. Overseas, they had closed. At that point, we hadn't had as many cases in the U.S. I think they thought they could ride it out. And I remember, too, at the time, we, they, they thought they were going to open up again April 1st. You know, it, it ended up being the uh, first of them didn't open up until mid-June, and Disney itself didn't open until uh, almost mid-July. So they were closed for almost four months at that point. So how hard is that when you're thinking about covering them reopening? Like you're like we had said at the beginning, do we cheer the opening? Do we cringe at the opening? <laughs> you know, and then you have to decide, do you go out there in the middle of all that, right? Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, part of me feels like, am I being irresponsible to cover this? Like, I feel like, I'm, am I encouraging people to go out in a, when we're spiking in coronavirus cases? So I definitely have always had that in the back of my head. That's kind of what I did in the first you know, stories of them reopening. They're reopening amid while Florida was leading the nation in new coronavirus cases. But I will also say they were doing more than most in terms of keeping attendance down, temperature checks, really actually enforcing mask policies. That's one of the things. Some places, they say they have a mask policy, but, you know, they're trying to be nice to their their guests and their customers, and they are, but they are really enforcing it, keeping people spaced apart and I think their big fear is if there's a spike as a result of them, that would be disastrous. So they're trying really hard not to be. And I've been keeping a close eye on that. I've not seen that yet. That has been a problem um, because they do keep people pretty well spaced apart. And so they're they're doing their best. I saw there was an Atlantic article this week when they called it our Singapore. Singapore has been the one place that hasn't had as bad of part of, as Japan and China other places have. It's like... Disney World is like our Singapore. It's one little place that has its own government. There's it has its own police force. It has its like so like they kind of can, can enforce it. If you don't want to be there, they'll kick you out. So they're like they're they really are doing their best to contain it as best. And meanwhile, in the rest of Florida, you've got rallies and spring break and all these other parties going on. They are not putting up with that nonsense, from what I can tell. How, how would they know if there was an outbreak that started at Disney World? That is a good question. I, you know, as we've all dealt with as reporters, getting uh, transparency from the state in terms of its records. I could be wrong, but I've been trying to keep a close eye on it. And so far, I have not seen that that's been considered. There have been some like super spreader cases of like a church having a big rally or some concert or something. I have not seen that come out of the theme parks. It could be, and I'm missing it. So I, I'll give that as a... As a possible i'm missing it i've been trying to keep an eye on it but uh as far as places to go if you want to be around other people like i i I have not gone to all of them though i went to bush gardens opening day and i gotta say i wasn't i wasn't uncomfortable i was wearing a mask and everybody was pretty well spaced out and it was outside 
So Bush Gardens is more so that I think Disney even has more outdoor spaces. So that feels a little more comfortable to me. And Disney does have indoor theaters. And what they're doing is every other row is empty. And, and even at the rides, they're doing every, like, I think, and it's a small world, only like two families at a time per boat. Whereas normally there's like, I think there's six or eight rows to a boat. So they're doing their best to keep people apart. So we'll see how that goes. That's going to be the big challenge. Is there a way to keep going? When you're talking to these families who are there, I mean, do you feel judgy or do you understand where they're coming from? Do you want, because I mean, it's sort of like, you know, is now the time to go to Disney World? <laughs> I know. I'm totally with you on that because, I mean, there there's also two schools of uh, when people cover Disney because many people are very judgy on any day when it comes to like, you know, oh, these crazy Disney people. And I get it. But at the same time, it's like some people like baseball, some people like wrestling. There's There's things people love. And we shouldn't judge them on what they love. And people love this place. So I'm not going to judge them on that part of it. But what I've gotten from the people I know, I, I, like I said, I actually did not go to the opening day of Disney World, but I did cover it by having contacts with people who were there and watching social media. And actually, sometimes I worry It felt that, like you were there. If people told me that. I'm, I wonder, was I unethical the way I wrote that? I was trying really hard to say I was not there, <laughs> but I was getting reports back. But um, the people who were there felt like everyone around them was being pretty good. They were um, minding their P's and Q's and keeping wearing their masks and keeping their distance and, you know, doing as told. So I think that's part of it is <laughs> when you're in the Disney complex, you, you obey the rules. <laughs> so it's hard to say. It's hard to get both sides of this, though, right? Because yes, you're there at the park with the believers who are like, oh, yeah. yes, we're going to the magical place. You're not getting the people in Oklahoma who are like, hell no, I'm not going, you know? Well, I know, exactly. You're, you, there's People who are there are not going to be the ones who are going to be the snarky people like that. It's true. And I also have to say, being in the press pod, you know, when we're, when we're all in these events, I am outnumbered these days by these bloggers who are super, super Disney fans. They are not going to ask the hard questions. They'll say, is this... A great ride or the greatest ride? Like, they never really ask you. Like, and I'm that jerk that has to ask, like, you know, is this really smart that you're doing that? You know, like I did a story before Star Wars Land opened saying, this seems like it's going to be really hot. I mean, it, it, it looks like a desert and we're in 98 degree Florida heat and nobody else did that story. And I was like, come on, you guys, you got to represent the consumer in this. Like, th this design might be great in California where they have no humidity, but in Florida, it, it's it's murder. And sure enough, after that ran a couple of weeks later, I noticed a lot more umbrellas went up to give people some shade. So I always feel like I, I'm there to represent the consumer. And so I have to be that jerk that asks kind of, you know, the uncomfortable questions sometimes. And I'm surrounded by these bloggers who are just like, oh, I just love it. So like, like who can ever question how wonderful it is? It's like, you know, they use the word magic in their stories. I never use the word magic in my stories. So it's really hard to kind of keep that even keel. But at the same time, I will admit, I love this stuff. It's, it's fun. It really is fun. I love roller coasters. I, I go back. I feel like I'm a sports writer, basically. I'm rooting for the team to win. But there's times that they let me down, so. But you, you, you also mentioned being sort of a consumer reporter, right? You're, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so that's, that's a big part of the way that you approach this. Because it's not cheap. They crossed the $100 mark. Uh, it was about five years ago, I think it was. They finally, it was like a big deal to cross the $100 mark. They all have done that now. And I will actually defend it a little bit. What's the last, what did you pay for your last concert? I spent, I think, 100 and. 15 to see Bruno Mars and have a decent seat for two hours of entertainment. So $110 to spend 
from 9 a.m. to midnight in a in a theme park with all of us going, but that really isn't too outrageous when you think about the amount of time and entertainment you can get. But of course, while you're there, they're going to pick your pockets for, you know, food and other extra. Well, you get yeah. a $12 beer at either one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, but, but I will kind of defend in terms of what everything else has cost. A football game or a concert is a Broadway show is easily in that same ballpark. And that's a couple hours of entertainment. So I'm, I'm going to defend them a little bit on that price, considering how much money they spent. I mean, they spent half a million dollars on that Avatar land they put into um, Animal Kingdom, which is a really fabulous ride. It's so beautiful at night, especially. And a billion dollars each on the Star Wars land in Florida and the Star Wars land in California. So, I mean, it's really high-tech, high-level um, craftsmanship they're putting into these experiences so definitely it's not cheap for some you could go to europe for what it costs to spend a week at these so i'm i'm not gonna judge that part of it but i get it so sharon i know that uh to many of our listeners you have quite the dream job here 10 years of covering tourism and theme parks and riding roller coasters can you walk us through a little bit about how do you get to be the theme park reporter yeah i feel like i kind of wormed my way into it they brought me over to our features department at the Times to kind of cover things to do as a beat, which is a really popular topic. I mean, every time you do readership studies, date night ideas and things to do with kids was a really popular topic. So I really wanted to cover it. Like I said, it's a consumer beat, you know, like what's happening around town, what's been announced, there's something new. And then that's where kind of the theme parks rolled into it. It was just as I started that the new Harry Potter land opened at um, Universal, and I'm a huge Harry Potter geek, so I just kind of geeked out like crazy and went to that, and that's when it first kind of dawned on me, like, oh, you know what, literally millions of people, 80 million people a year at, before now were showing up in Florida to visit all these different theme parks we have. And uh, Disney World is the world's most visited theme park, I mean, a tourist attraction. So it felt like this is, okay, this is an important beat because everything you kind of cover, people were very interested. What's new? What are they doing? And I also, I would give guides. Like, that's why like, so when the Harry Potter Land opened, I did a whole little guide. Okay, if you want to do it, this is the way you want to, you want to enter on the right-hand side to come through that archway and see the castle in the distance. And I would do a whole little, like, um, guide to your day of, of going there. So I thought that was, that was useful. And then I would just kind of keep an eye on um, anything new that was coming out. And, and so then that, that turned into every summer we did a, um, a theme park uh, guide. Because every, every summer, it had now become the point every summer there was at least something new at almost every single one of them. SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, Disney World, Universal, they all had something new every year. And that was kind of their, their thing these days is once you have a new roller coaster or something, it gets not just new people to show up, but your your people who have annual passes to come back. And the more they get them to come back, obviously the more they spend and stuff. So I, I get why they do it, but it also it enriches the experience for people who are going. My other thing I love to look up for is deals. Every Usually every November to February for Florida residents, there's always some kind of a good deal because that's when the uh, vacation season is, is lulled. And we can often get like, you can get a three-day pass for the price of one day and that kind of thing. That's always really popular. So but as a result, though, as, a, as for the last 10 years, I've been to every theme park and all their new stuff. I've, been to, I've walked on Sesame Street at SeaWorld. I've been through the Harry Potter land. I've been to Star Wars land. I got to, you know, ride the Millennium Falcon and go into Toy Story land over at Hollywood Studios. It's like 
it is a dream job. And my kids have gotten a little, um, like jaded. Like I can, Hey guys, they're like tired of it now. Like you guys. <laughs> so now I'm the favorite aunt. I bring my nieces and nephews with me. So I figured, well, okay, one of them, one day when I need to get my plug pulled, they're going to be, I'm going to be their favorite aunt. So they're going to take care of me. So I take them with me to SeaWorld or to, uh, to Disney. <laughs> have you kept track of how many steps you've walked all these years? <laughs> oh my God. Every time I do, it is at least twelve to 15,000 steps a day when I'm there because there is so much walking involved. That, that is one of the things. It's like, And that's what, what I've also done a lot of is kind of my little guide to what to pack in your bag, what to wear. Like I have this whole thing of like, should you have like a giant backpack full of stuff or some tiny little string bags so you're packing light? You know, I, I have different theories on what are your best things to happen. One of my new favorite things I have is a neck fan. I, sh- I should bring it out here. I'm going to show you. You wear it around your neck, and it's these two fans. I had so many people, even people who work there, stop me. Where'd you find that? I found it on Amazon for like $12 to $15. It's a neck fan. You look look it up. It's really awesome because it, it just blows some air on you. It gives you some relief. And uh, hitting perimenopause, I've also used it for that reason, too. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I have all these little tricks I do now of uh, little, little ways to spritz yourself and cool yourself off and keeping sunscreen well hopefully it like blows the germs away too well like, that could that could be you know, fan the covid away <laughs> i haven't thought about that that could be my new thing it could be a covid covid fan <laughs> sharon talk for a second about the jobs you had to do before you got to do this fun job <laughs> well thing is, i used to be just a straight i used to be um covered city hall and i covered county commission i used to be a copy editor and um, when we started TBT, which is our, our tabloid version of the Times, it was given out free. And one of the focuses we had was on things to do. And that's kind of where they asked uh, Ann Glover, who started it, was a great mentor of mine. And she said, because she knew that was kind of my mentality. I love kind of pop culture and stuff. And it was really fun for me. And that kind of wheeled my way over into the feature side where I cover like a beat. I, I feel like if it's, if anything's happened, I want to know about it. I want to be the first to report it. I want to have the. We have a really rich entertainment events. Even though you would think there aren't any events anymore, there really aren't. But they're building. Kelly Stephanie, my colleague, she is really good at this. We actually every week she's noticing we're having more and more live events, concerts, things that people are doing and trying to do at a distance. But the live events are growing. We also have a whole calendar of virtual events. So we really kind of feel like people just need stuff to do. <laughs> and that's one of the things I do this week. I do now these days. I do a list of five things to do with your kids this week. I try to do a mix of things that are virtual, but things that are also what's reopened, things you can do at a distance, like kayaking or whatever. I try to have, you know, a mix on there every week. And I, I'm finding a really good reaction from readers about it, of, of needing these ideas, you know. So what's the worst part of the job? Oh, well, that'd be the way I said. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. No one will give me any sympathy for this, but it really is a long day. <laughs> I will get no sympathy that I spent a work day at Disney World. Yeah, but let me tell you, yeah. when I went to Star Wars Land, okay, I had to be there by uh, 8.30. So I meant leaving my house in St. Pete by 6.30 in the morning to get to Orlando, to check in, 
get my credentials, get on the bus and go over there. We spent all day, blazing heat, 12, 15,000 steps a day. Um, they had me busy with interviews all through the day till about, God, I want to say four or five, and then gave us time to go back, take a shower, go out for the evening. Well, in that time, I wrote a story. So, so I went back, did some writing, took a quick shower, went out for the evening. We were there till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And then I went back and did some writing. So I had something ready for the morning. So I was working 15 hours that day. And I also was sweaty. I took three showers in a day. Like, no one will give me any sympathy, but I'm just telling you, it's not necessarily an easy gig in that sense. If it's, it's a long day, it's not all playtime. It's a, in between, it I'm also... It still beats city council. It, yes, it, it definitely does. It still beats city it's council. True. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm. I don't. I'm not asking for sympathy. I know I won't get it, but I'm not telling. It's not an easy day. <laughs> Shin, talk a little bit about um, covering the business of this too, yeah. because I know you know covering it as a, it's a sport. You know, as a sports mm-hmm. reporter, I, mm-hmm. I love that analogy mm-hmm. actually. But you're also covering like these billion dollar businesses that are now losing billions of dollars. Yeah. Like, talk about that part of your job. Yeah, that is something. Actually, I often team up with our business writers for that because, like, in fact, next week is going to be the quarterly reports coming out. Um, Disney's going to have theirs next week, and um, I'm totally expecting – we're talking April, May, and June when their parks were closed. There's no live sports, so ESPN is down. They're, they're one of the few companies that really had every element that they do. Movie theaters are closed. Everything they do has been shut down. Um, although Disney Plus did really well with Hamilton. Um, <laughs> but I do think I would not be surprised to see a 30 to 50% drop in their revenues. So that definitely becomes a business story. And when you think about it too, what a big employer they are for Central Florida. I mean, gosh, I want to say 80,000 or it could be more. I, I could be way underplaying it. They, they employ a ton of people and that's just one. Universal does too. So does Bush Gardens. So does see they all employ tons and tons and tons of people. So it's a, it's been a big hit for the unemployment in the area. Part of that too is that they don't necessarily pay their work. They pay their workers, I think Disney pays better than most, but not too much above minimum wage. So that's the thing too, is like, are they gonna be making better off unemployment versus, um, so there's a lot of elements, the business elements to it are very important, but they are a big player. And they also have strong lobbyists, they get big tax breaks. That's another element I have worked on they get tax breaks that are meant for, say, like an inner city neighborhood providing jobs, and they, they happen to be in that same neighborhood, so they get they get some of these, like Universal has gotten some of these tax breaks that really were meant for inner cities. It's like, so we try to keep an eye on that, of, of how much they can take advantage of their very strong lobbying force. And they had several members of their executives were on the reopening task force for the state, so you've got to believe they had some influence on how the state decided when they could reopen and how. But I do think it's in their best interest not to be a super spreader. So I do think they're trying their best not to do that. So that's been my impression, at least. So we'll add some links to our podcast page when we put this up so you can see some of Sharon's work. If you have a question for Sharon or for Lane or would like to suggest a podcast topic, find us on our Facebook group or email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Parts of this conversation are also shared on our Coronavirus in Florida podcast, which you can find on tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Austin Fast. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.